Amen. Well, guys, grab a Bible and make your way to the book of 2 Corinthians. We are finishing up chapter 4 this morning. Sunday morning is making our way through this verse by verse in 2 Corinthians. Excited to be there this morning. Hoping you brought a Bible. You're heading there. If you didn't bring a Bible, they're there in front of you. Page number on the screen. Invite you to head that way. Use an app if that works best, but one way or another, be in the Word of God with us. Same invitation in the overflow and online. Hey, this is a time we want to spend in the Word of God, and we are believing in the power of the Word of God, so we invite you. Have that open. Have it be that you follow along and that God would take His truth and work it good inside your life where you are in a way that just both informs us and directs us and speaks to us. Let's take a moment and pray for that and just ask that God would take His Word and connect with you. And so I'm leading, but would you pray as well that God would make this real for you? Father, we come right now and I think about when Eli just was instructing Samuel in, in, in that moment that he would just, he told him there, when, when, when the Lord is speaking, just to say, Lord, here I am, speak, your servant is listening. God, believing that you are that God who speaks, thanking you for your word and your truth and yet wanting to ask that you would bring us into that humble receptive heart. Lord, your servant is listening. Lord, your servant is wanting to hear what you have to say. God, make it so. Give us that ability to hear it, and may it work good in us. May you just take your word and transform and change and mold us and shape us into the spaces that you have us to be. God, believing in your goodness, your faithfulness, your ability to do that, would you magnify just your word into our hearts and lives and just work it into that space that we're needing to hear together, but individually. Hearing your voice. We ask for that now. And we ask for it right at this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Never, never, never give up. Hey, those immortal words in some ways attributed to Winston Churchill during the kind of Second World War, they have been repeated in thousands of ways and thousands of times that would tell us, hey, we are needing to be rescued from that. In fact, it's interesting. In the passage that we're going to cover this morning, that's how the New Living Translation begins to render it. Uh, There in verse 16, it says, this is why we never give up. I like that. I like that. The New King James, which is the translation that we use here on Sunday morning, says, therefore, we do not lose heart, which speaks some of the same reality, and yet right there, it begins to bring a connection. Some of you may remember, uh, we're in a section that this chapter actually began with that, a space where we were invited not to lose heart. In fact, it's interesting that as we look at our text this morning, it begins with that word, therefore, therefore, we do not lose heart. So it lets us know that we're picking up on something. We're continuing a thought. And again, it was back at the beginning of chapter 4 where he had told us, since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, we do not lose heart. That since we, we get to think about what that is, and yet even there it was bringing a connection. That it's saying, hey, because of this, since we have this, and so all of that draws us into a little bit of an understanding that though we are going to focus on a few verses this morning, they find themselves in a context that is so important. In fact, so much has been building up to this space. If you take it outside of that, so easy uh, to misunderstand what it is. So can I quickly kind of catch you up to speed, reminding you of what we've seen. We think about this whole section, and it really began Uh, Really, the theme that that is specifically flowing at this moment began back in chapter 2 where he was reminding us, where God was telling us about the triumph of Christ, that Jesus has triumphed, that he has gone to the cross, paid the price for our sins, risen from the grave, and he has won. He has won the victory. He has absolutely you know, brought us into that so that now we are in this triumphal procession where you and I, as followers of Jesus, are invited into a place that now we just get to be the aroma of Christ. We get to be those who are saying, look what he did. <laughs> look what he did. I mean, he has done this amazing reality for us. Now, in that, he had just brought to, to, to bear onto our lives that we're not enough for that. We're insufficient. Uh, to do that, and yet he makes us enough. 
There's this sufficiency that's found in God that draws us to everything he has. In fact, not only is it found there, but he continues a work of drawing us into his presence that is changing us, gloriously changing us, which brought us to where we are. That, that there in chapter 4, he says, hey, since we have this, since the, the, the triumph of Christ and he is working through us in weak vessels and, and, and he is doing a work, we get to be those who serve him, not because we deserve it, not because we earn it, not because we, we, it's entirely based on his mercy. And if we really know, understand that it keeps us from losing heart. That's how the chapter began in chapter 4 and then began to just take us through the incredible, glorious gospel of Christ, the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. And he lets us know, hey, this is amazing. We get to you know, look upon Christ and get to see that he is the one, that the light is shining, that that is at work in our worlds. And it's the glorious reality that is that. Yet, we get to be those who portray that incredible treasure in jars of clay. Or even as we talked about last week, that we have that same faith that gets to walk in that, that says, hey, here's who we are. You know, he's amazing. And yet we get to do this and represent this in a space that is a reminder that our, our, our lives are not that, that, that it's entirely about him. All of that lands in this space where he's saying, therefore, don't lose heart. Therefore, because all this is true, uh, you know, because of, uh, of the weight of the gospel, because of the weight of what Christ has done, because the way he's working into our lives, it works inside us in a way that would keep us from just having our hearts gutted, keep us from a space uh, of losing heart. That's where we are. I mean, that's what brings us to this moment. And to that, maybe it's even helpful to go back and just give a quick definition. We did this when we began the chapter. Losing heart, it's an idiom that kind of describes a feeling that most of us understand, but it has the idea, idea of beginning to feel that you cannot do something, something that you've been trying to do, to feel like giving up, to lose confidence, courage, conviction, to be weary, dispirited, or discouraged. Hey, it's a good definition, but probably you understand exactly what it is. There's a space where that happens, a place where you, you kind of look at it and you just feel like giving up, you feel like saying, hey, you know, I'm just going to take my toys and go home. Like, I don't know if I want to play. I don't know if I want to, this, this is a space where it, this feels like it's emptying me out. A place where you just feel like you're not sure that you can continue going on. Now, that's a very real space. And I don't want in any way to, to speak it into condemnation. I don't want in any way to, 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 to speak to you if you're even there and say, you know, you know, shame on you or any of those things. Not so. Hey, that's a very real place. But there's a way to overcome. There's a way to overcome. There's a way where he can say, hey, therefore, here's what you and I get to walk in. in a space that would keep that from happening. That would keep us from you know, throwing in the towel, keep us from that space of that in the place that we live, in this space where we live in these jars of clay and these bodies and this world that's broken and yet with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's where we are. That's what he wants to give us. And he wants to remind us of a few things that would help you and I in that way. So tell you what, let's go read that section that we're going to cover this morning and then we'll work our way through it. Beginning there in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So things that would help us not to lose heart, things that would help us to, to not fall into that, recorded here in three kind of little sections that would help us think it through, it begins with just a reminder and even just speaking it. Hey, the outward man, it is perishing. Yeah, just noticing it again there in verse 16, it says, therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing. You know, in some ways, this almost takes no comment. I mean, you know, it's like not, not any sense that any of us are here going, I had no idea. 
I mean, no, here's the, the, the real idea. Hey, we are, there is that sense that we are living in this world, that it's there. And, and for some of us, we feel it very, very presently. Some of us are, are very aware of it. Others, not as much, but it's still presently there. You know, we're living in this space where, you know, we are moving in a very real direction. We're getting older, all of us. You know, kind of one of those age-old things, you know, getting older isn't for wimps, and yet, honestly, it's not a choice either, you know, kind of a deal. You know, you're walking in this space that, that, that finds itself hard, and yet he's just telling us, hey, when we think about this, it's important for us to understand that, and so let me just say it as clear as I can, though most of us fully understand it, but I just need to say it. You are going to die, every one of you. Every one of you here, there's, this isn't like, you know, 50% of you or 80% of you, you're going to die. Now, let me just kind of just step towards that because I know someone's going to push back and say, but Jim, no, I'm hoping for the rapture. Well, me too. Like, I'm totally into that. But let's also be honest. Hey, the rapture is going to happen in a moment, and it's still the end of your life down here. It's still the end of your life down here. It's, it's a death as much as anything else is a death. Hey, some of you, you know, if, if we're not there for the rapture, it's going to be a heart attack or a car accident, or maybe it'll be something a little bit longer, but there's going to be a moment. There's going to be a moment for every last one of us where your life here is coming to a, con a conclusion, that we're looking at something that all of us are going to face, and, and that reality is meant to be something that we understand. Now, again, we live in a weird world that kind of pushes back, um, kind of tries to keep this in its obscurity, that uh, make it so it's not as visible uh, into our daily lives, but it's not supposed to be that way. I think about how Paul Solomon would say it, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, that it's even good for us to go to funerals. It's good for us to be around death, he says, because that's the end of all men. This is where everybody's on that road, and the living are supposed to be taking that to heart. It's meant to be something there. That's true. Every one of us is going to die, and that's not supposed to be something that is surprising or that you're not living aware of. I mean, you should be facing that. It should be something that you recognize, I need to be ready for that because that's coming. That's coming at some space, some unknown moment. It's going to happen. I live in light of that. That said, this is a little bit more because it's not just that you're going to die. It's that you're presently dying. That's actually how it kind of re reads itself out. I think about it this way. You know, we have it in the New King James. It says the outward man is perishing. And that's pretty good. It pretty makes it, makes it clear. The New Living Translation makes sure that we understand it's our body. Our bodies are dying, which is <laughs> just very, very, you know, real. But the Greek is so powerful because it, it's, it's just a little bit more involved in that. So the ESV would tell us, hey, your outer self is wasting away. Or the New American Standard says, your outer man is decaying. Like, it's actually going there. The Amplified does its best to pull both of those in there and just says, our outward man is progressively decaying and wasting away. Wow. You're dying. And that's not just a, a future moment. Today's a part of it. Uh, every day, you know, there, there's pl places that are a part of that. Some of, again, you, you feel it. Some of you are here this morning, and you're like, Jim, I, I, I know that. You know, I, I can feel it. You know, there are things taking place. You know, I, I don't hear maybe as well as I used to hear. Or I don't see as well as I used to see. Or, you know, I think about lots of things. There's a great passage in Ecclesiastes that talks about just even what that would look like. We're not going to take time to go there. But there is something that some of you feel like, yeah, it's not just something going to happen. It is happening. And there's a sense that every day it's that way. Change the scenario just for a moment. If you could almost imagine it like an hourglass, like you would look at your life as an hourglass, and yet there would almost be this, you know, blind over the top because you don't know how much is left. You don't know how much is left in the top thing. All you notice is every, every day there's sand coming out. And it's like, I don't know how much is left up there, but today I just lost some. I mean, today there's, there's, there's things falling. Today there's, there, there's something there that I'm actively, that that's a, that's a part of my world. Now, that's, that's again, just one of those things that's just inviting us to be aware of that. And again, I know that for some of you, you're like, man, I don't feel it. And others of you are like, I feel it. Like, I know what that is. I, I, I can sense what that is. And here's the honest thing. As we think about that, having a right relationship to that is where he's kind of speaking into it. Now, quick FYI, before we talk about a little bit of that, I think about it this way, Warren Wiersbe says Paul was not suggesting 
that the body is not important or that we should ignore its warnings or needs since our bodies are temples of God. We must care for them, but we cannot control the natural deterioration of the human nature. Again, he kind of just gives us, you know, this isn't one of these things that we're like, hey, we don't care or we shouldn't, you know, exercise or eat healthy. No, you, I mean, there's good for that. I mean, I think about it in Timothy where it says, you know, bodily exercise, it has a little bit of profit. I mean, it can do a little bit in there. There's something about taking care of ourselves, but you can't stop it. And ultimately, no matter how much you do, you can't even control how much time you have left. Sometimes the most healthy people die young. It's just the way it works. And, and, and just there is no you know, kind of like rhyme or, or, hey, it works that way. And so we're not neglecting this or we're saying, hey, that this body is unimportant, but we are recognizing that we're on this 100% road that this is where it's going to take place. Now, in the midst of this, it's worth just kind of being honest about it. That is actually one of the things that can make us lose heart. It's one of the things that can be disheartening. And, and I, again, if, if I were just sitting down with you right now, I might ask, you know, so what is it right now that you're facing that, that would make it this way. And, and some of you, it's different. I mean, some of you, you know, deal with migraines. Some of you deal with fibromyalgia. Some of you fighting cancer. Some of you are fighting insomnia. Some of you are fighting, I mean, different things. And you would look at it and say, boy, when, I, when I'm facing what I'm going through, there are days. It's just like, ah, you know, it's like, you know, I don't feel like playing. I don't feel like I don't feel like doing this any longer. That's the, that 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 reality. You know, if, if if I could just live, you know, healthy and then die, that would be great. But instead, I have things that seem to be making it challenging, uh, making it difficult. And and when I look at that, sometimes it can be disheartening. And again, I'm I'm not speaking ill of that. I'm just saying it's honestly true. And, and there's just something good about just knowing, hey, that's actually real. I mean, that's actually a part of our existence, and, and so there is something in the midst of that that is true, but there's a hope that he wants to rescue us from in the midst of it. So go back and see it in the verse, there in verse 16. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So we are dying. Our outward man is presently perishing, yet at the same very moment, this inward man is being renewed day by day. Well, let's just think about this, what this is for a second. And again, I know that for most of you, you're familiar with this, but still I want you to consider it. Here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you are born again, then that moment that you believed in Jesus and you were saved you became brand new. You became brand new. You entered into a new life in, in, in a place where it would be that way. It's going to tell us in the next chapter, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, if, you, if, if you're in Christ at that moment, there's a brand new life. There's a, a, a new nature, a new life in Christ that is ours. And, and, and all of that's now that reality that's there. I think about Jesus who would speak about it and tell Nicodemus there in John 3. He said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Hey, there's no other way. There's no other way to get in. There's no other way to have this. You're, you're going to have to be born anew. You're going to have to have this place that gives you brand new life in Christ, and it has to be in a, in a saving relationship. And I would just speak it even here this morning. If you're here this morning and you're outside of that, if you're trying to be a good person and you're even here this morning thinking, hey, this is a part of your gaining eternity, if you're trying to gain your way there, if you're playing some other game in this, it's never going to work. Jesus is really clear. There's no other way. There's no other way. There's no other way to enter into eternity. There's no other way to enter into the kingdom of God. Then you have to be born again. And that happens by believing in Jesus. That happens because as it goes on there in John 3, he tells us, you know, God so loved the world. He gives his only begotten son that whoever believes, you're not going to perish, but you'd have this everlasting life. You would enter into this new existence. And I just want to invite you again, if that's you here this morning, that that would be very, very, very clear and draw you to it. But for most of you, that's where you are. 
Yeah, that's happened. At some moment in time, you, you moved from death to life. You believed in Jesus, and you were saved. And, and what a glorious thing that is. And yet, as it's telling us that here, please understand that's something that's still as real. He doesn't hold out something that's potential here, but something that is reality. I just want you to pay attention to the words. As he tells it to us, he says that inward man is being renewed day by day. doesn't tell us that that inward man can be renewed or that inward man might be renewed or that that inward man should be renewed. He says, no, it is. It, it, it is being renewed every single day. It is a space where it's there that if you're in Christ today, then that's where you are. I mean, you are in that newness of life. Now, I want to just press this for a moment because if I don't say this well, if it doesn't land well, it actually could go entirely wrongly and it could actually go the other way. We are such a works-based people that so easily trust in our works. You can read this as if it's something you're needing to do, as if you need to make yourself new. And, and so you can read this as in a sense of, hey, I need to try harder. Like, I need to pray more. I need to work on the inward man. I need to, you know, do those things. Uh, but there's a problem. I mean, when that becomes the focus, as it always does when works is a focus, either you're going to be prideful or depressed. You're either going to feel really good about yourself or you're going to feel really bad about yourself for failing. And either way, it's going to go wrongly. And ultimately, it would become something that would cause you to lose heart. So think about this again with me as clear as I can do my best to, to say it. This idea of the newness of life and, and being renewed, it is applied through much of the New Testament. It's applied in the, in, in, in the book of, of Romans. It's, re, it's applied in Ephesians and Colossians. But when it applies it, it's not the idea that we're maintaining that newness by application. It's the idea that we're enjoying that newness. Now, once more, I'm going to do my best to just kind of press this for a second. So here's this incredible reality. So like the book of Romans, we talk about our, our salvation and that, hey, there's, there's none of us who are good. No, not one. Like nobody could save yourself. The only way you can be saved is the gospel. The only way you can save, be saved is Jesus. And it gives us to us for the first, you know, 11 chapters of the book of Romans. And then in chapter 12, you say, okay, now give your life to him and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, so that you could live out the life that God has. Or in Ephesians, it would talk about dealing with sin. And it would say, you know, okay, so put off that old man. <laughs> like, put off that old man, you know, be renewed, and then put on that new man that's yours in Christ. Uh, so, you know, stop lying and, and start telling the truth. And, and yet, in all those places, he's telling us, hey, start living what you already are. I mean, because he'll take the first half of the book, like in Ephesians, and say, hey, we're, we're seated in the heavenlies with Christ. We, we have this incredible relationship, and now because of who you are, you know, like that should, that should work its way out practically into your life. And it's a good, you know, kind of application, but where it goes wrongly is where we just get it confused as if the newness is ours either to create or maintain. And it's not. How do I say it differently? That moment, if you're a Christian here this morning, that moment that you believed in Jesus Christ, you were made brand new. The very moment that you believed, the very moment that that happened, you were brand, made brand new in Christ. That, 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 that was as good as it gets. Today, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a year, or five years, or 10 years, or 20 years, or 50 years, you're not more new today than you were at that moment. But if you're in Christ, neither are you less new. You're, you're still new. I mean, you, can, you, can, you, can you kind of feel, you, you get that idea of brand new. I don't know what you guys, maybe it's a new car, or, or it's like brand new, and, and, but pretty soon it's not. But that's not this. He says every single day, that newness of who you are is upheld in Christ. That's who we are. 
this isn't one of those things that's calling us or challenging us to apply it. That'll actually flow its way a little bit into the next chapter where he's going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. And so there is weight to how we live our lives. It's just not this. It's just not this. There's a sense of just understanding that if you're in Christ, yeah, you, you know, if you're his, the moment you believed into this moment, that newness of who you are is new and renewed by him. It's grace. It's amazing. It's a, the gospel. It's this wonderful place that draws us to see that my standing right now is I'm in Christ. And if I die now, I'm going to be with Jesus, not because I've earned it, not because I've deserved it, but because of, of Christ, because of grace, I've, I've been made brand new. And that newness is mine. It's mine every single day. So that it should be kind of that sense of reality. See, again, I know I'm talking to some of you that it's been a while. Some of you can't even remember exactly how long. It's like, when did you first get saved? I mean, how long have you been a follower of Jesus? Uh, you know, for some of you, again, it's been decades, and that's a good thing. But it's a weird thing because sometimes we almost could find ourselves jealous or something like, man, I love this. those people that give them life to Christ. It's so cool. And, you know, they, they turn from death to life. And, you know, I've, just, I've been this, around this for a while. And yet, in God's perspective, you are as new today as you were at that moment. You're new. You are brand new in Christ. You, you have this life in Christ that is entirely based upon him, upon what he is doing and what he has. And that reality is kind of what he's inviting you to see. It's as if you should be able to almost feel these two in tension and in contrast. Physically, you're dying. It is moving downhill. That's what's happening. It's going in a very real direction, and that is true. But spiritually, no. You have life. You have life in him, and that cannot change. It doesn't erode. It doesn't, it doesn't age. It doesn't, you know, become less. You have this brand new life in him that is, is, is new today as it was the moment you believed, and there's something about that that is just like, that's good for me to make sure I see it. That's good for me to have that perspective because if I only look at one side of this, if all I see is my body's aging, it's not as easy as it was, you know, don't hear or see or whatever as much as I used to. If that's all that has my focus, it's discouraging. It's, it's disheartening. But if at the same moment I can say, you know what, but I am new in Christ. I am as alive today as I've ever been. And I, I have a standing in Christ that is Christ, that is him, that is the glorious gospel, that it is, is mine in Christ. He says, if that's there, it's, it's there and it's meant to be today. I think that probably makes sense, but making sure you feel it. So the focus of this is death isn't just a future thing. It's a happening thing. You're dying. Like today, it is decaying and wasting away. And this new life, it's not just a past or future thing. It's a today thing. Every day. Every day. Christ is upholding us. Christ is the one that was there. So that Romans 6 would say, we now get to walk in this newness of life. We get to, to walk in life that's brand new, that's in him, and we're meant to live our life out that way, and yet feeling that keeps us, keeps us from giving in, keeps us from being incredibly discouraged in the midst of our outward man that is perishing. And it's just really good to see that, to say, okay, that's where he's inviting us to. Okay, more on that in a moment, but let's go back and add to it. So we get this whole place, and he tells us inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And then he says in verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Affliction. Affliction, that's kind of the perspective, which has the idea of pressure or stress or anything that's hard, which in one sense is what we're just talking about, our body is dying. In another sense, it backs up because that same word was used uh, back there in verse 8. Notice it with me. It says in verse 8, we are hard-pressed, which is that, that hard word, hard-pressed. It's the word affliction. It's the same thing. We are afflicted. We are hard-pressed on every side, not, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. 
So we have this affliction. I mean, that's real. I mean, that's just, again, just being straight out honest, and I love just the beautiful honesty of Scripture. Yeah, we have this incredible treasure in jars of clay. We are afflicted. We are afflicted. Life is hard. Our bodies are dying. That's not true for, you know, some of us. It's all of us. We are all on a road that that's taking place, and yet he wants us to make sure we see it through this lens. And if we see it through that lens, it adds to it a few other definitions, right? He says that affliction, it's light. It's not that, it's not, it's not really that big. It's not really, it's as if you could put it on a scale. It's not that heavy. Now, I find myself thinking about it, and I, I don't know, I mean, maybe you fully get this, and you think about Paul who's writing this, and yet I, I think about some that are going through some hard things. Maybe you're listening to me right now, it's like, I don't know what Paul's talking about. Mine's hard. Mine's heavy. Maybe it's cancer, or maybe it's something you're like, hey, this is a really big deal, and Paul's was probably, you know, he just didn't really have near the trials I have. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, like, really? I mean, you, you, we think about what Paul's life is. In fact, he'll tell it to us in just a few chapters as, as, he, as he thinks about what that looks like and thinks about what that would be. He's going to tell us that light, it, it, it's, that affliction is light. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And labor is more abundant. And stripes, that is being beaten, you know, by whips, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, like, I'm about to die, Often, like this is normally part of my day, normal part of my life. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I just left out there in the middle of the ocean just to, you know, kind of just survive there, kind of just waiting. In journeys, often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, uh, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Well, I, I give you that list just to make sure you kind of read it, because I don't know how you read that. It's like, oh, wow. My afflictions are pretty nothing. <laughs> like when I read what Paul goes through, it's like, okay, so mine are not so much. You know, it's like, I mean, like he, I mean, if he can look at that and say it's actually really not that heavy, then mine can't be that heavy because mine aren't that. I mean, I, I, my, I, I haven't been stoned and beaten and, 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 and whipped. I mean, that's just not been my road at this moment in time. Not that it, it couldn't be, but it, even then he says it's a light thing. In fact, he would say it to us this way in Romans. He says, we consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. It's as if he takes one of those scales, and he says, so I'm going to put on one side of this scale my sufferings, and then I'm going to put on the other side uh, of the scale, the glory that's going to be revealed in us, and boom, you know, it's like my sufferings are light comparatively. They, they are, they, 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 when I can see it in light of what's coming, it's not really that big a deal. It's, it, they are light comparatively in the midst of it. They're not a big thing. They, they are light. In fact, not only are they light, they're momentary. Yeah, catch it again how he says it. Verse 17, our light affliction which is but for a moment. Hey, that's a good word. Most of the trials that you will face in your life will not last you your whole life. That's good news. I mean, honestly, it's good news. Um, sometimes we go through really hard moments. Sometimes there are seasons uh, that can be there. And, and yet most of the trials that would mark most of our lives, they will not occupy the, the whole of our existence. I mean, it's just honestly true. But even if it did, even if suffering that you would go through physically, whether it be migraine or cancer or sleeplessness or, 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 or unknown, you know, kind of in the midst of it, even if it lasted you your whole life, in the scheme of eternity, it's a moment. It's not that long. It's not going to be that way forever. It's not going to be that way forever. And even by itself, all by itself, if you can believe that, it's incredibly hopeful. Because one of the things that can cause us to lose heart is to be in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a trouble, and feel like 
this is never going to get better. This is all, uh, uh, this is going to be the rest. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to overcome this. And when you kind of let that penetrate your heart, it's as if your heart falls out of your chest. It's as if you do lose motivation, but it's, it's a lie. It's not going it, to, it's, it's a momentary thing. It's not forever. If it lasts our whole life, if it's but, but our lives are but a breath, they're, they're gone. And there's an eternity coming. And that's hopeful to recognize their light, their momentary. In fact, it's a little bit more than that. Go back and see it. It says in verse 17, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Light, momentary, working. Light, momentary, and, and they're doing something. Everything that we go through, God redeems. Every trial that we go through, He turns for good, right? I mean, we think about that passage in Romans 8. We talked about it last week. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. True for every follower of Jesus. Not true if you're not a follower of Jesus. True from the eternal vantage point. It's not as if we look at it and think, hey, it's all going to be good here. No, that's not always true. But it's always doing something. Now, I don't want to get lost here. This isn't encouraging us to, to live in rebellion. It isn't saying, hey, no matter what you do, it's going to turn out fine. No, there is a space of, of living well. There is a space of, of, of serving God well, and, and we're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ in the next chapter. That's certainly a part of that. But here's the reality. If you have life in Christ, everything, when you're doing it well, when you're doing it badly, when you, when you're, when you, he's going to turn it for good. He's going he's to do something in that that is working eternal merit, eternal favor. He is always doing that. He is working. And that in, by itself, again, is, is helpful. Because one of the things that can lose heart is when you're going through something and it feels absolutely pointless. Like, there is no good thing in this. Like, I don't know why I'm going through this trial, you might be saying. I don't know what it is. But it, it is pointless. It's a lie. It's working. It's working. Might not be changing life down here, but it is that sense in eternity, which is this idea of glory, that we have this incredible space of, of what that is. In fact, he just does a really good job phrasing it in such a magnanimous way that if you could just feel it with me for a moment, it's bigger than I can put into words. Let's try it this way. So he's telling us, hey, your trials as a follower of Jesus they are working for you glory. If that's all he said, if that's all he said, it would be enough. Glory. Glory is eternal. Glory is beautiful. Glory is holy. He, if he just said, okay, what you're going through right now, it's going to be glory. It, it's going to be glory in heaven. You'd be like, that's, that's all I need to know. <laughs> that's all I need to know. Like just a reminder that Hey, this is, this is, there's going to be something beautiful. There's going to be something eternal that God works in this. But then he just adds phrases to it that only magnify this idea of glory. He says it's not just glory. It's a, it's a weight of glory. It's a weight. In fact, there's a play on words in, in the original language because in Hebrew, the word glory actually has the idea of weight to it. And yet here, it just kind of adds another word that we kind of just, in a beautiful kind of rhyming, just say, hey, this is weighty. This is, this is heavy. It would be comparative to what we just said, light. Hey, our trials are light, but this is heavy. Those things are small. This is big. This is, this is weighty. This is good. Again, if that's all he said, it would be enough. Be like, okay, yeah, my trials, weight of glory. But as if to be even more kind to us, he says it even more. He says, not only is it a weight of glory, it's an eternal weight of glory. It's not going to be like you get to heaven and, okay, Marty, you know, it's as if, you know, I enjoyed it for five minutes. Like, you're forever going to enjoy that which God is doing. It's, it's a joy that lasts forever. It's, a, it's this eternal weight of glory. These momentary trials, eternal weight of glory. Big contrast, big contrast. I mean, forever, 
I mean, forever. Again, if that's all he said, it would be enough. If he just said, hey, your trials are working for you, an eternal weight of glory, that's all you need to know. But as if to even be more kind to us, he adds in other words. He says, not only is it an eternal weight of glory, it's an exceeding eternal weight of glory. Like, it is so much better. It surpasses it. It's better than you can possibly imagine. It is so good. And, and then he adds more. It's not just an exceeding, it's a more exceeding, which is like just saying the same thing, right? I mean, you just said it's exceeding, and then you're like, it's, it's not just exceeding, it's more exceeding. It's like exceeding was already, in, it's like this, you know, blows doors on that. It leaves it in the dust, and now it's like, like it really leaves it in the dust. I mean, it's so much better. And then if that wasn't enough, he throws in one more word. He says it's far more exceeding. It's a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. It's as if to look on this and say, wow. I mean, forever, glorious, weighty, you know, what we're going through here, so small, so small compared to what that is. Oh, yeah. If you could believe this right now, it would really change some things. Because once more, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Not all of us are there. Maybe none of us are fully kind of embracing this the way that we ought to. We have a propensity to give more weight to our present sufferings than we do our future glory. It's easier to talk about our headaches and our pains and our sorrows, and sometimes they feel big, and they feel like they're going to last forever. And then Paul says, if you could see it rightly, tiny, momentary. This is so much bigger. It is so much better. It is a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And if you could feel that, your afflictions change perspective. They, they change reality. They change as to not be the thing that would so easily overwhelm. It, again, it's as if you're just kind of weighing and saying, man, this is nothing compared to what's coming. Yeah, it's not always easy. Yeah, I'm dying. Yeah, I'm going to die. Yeah, some of these things are hard. But you know what? Not really that much. When I compare it to what's mine in Christ, when I compare it to what Jesus has accomplished for me in the gospel, not so much. I mean, that would change things. It would literally change our perspective, and it would keep you from giving up. It would keep you from that space where, where that would be something that moves you. I think about it, the New Living Translation, I just thought I'd throw it up there. I like the way it kind of paraphrased this verse. It says, for our present troubles are small, and it won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. If you could believe that, if you could believe what that is, if you could say, okay, these are small, but what I have in Christ, it is so much bigger than that, so much more, just it's better than that. Well, as he calls us to that, he adds one other thing that just kind of speaks into the very realities we just saw. Verse 18 says, why we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. He says, we're not supposed to be those who are looking at, fixing our gaze, always thinking about those things which are temporary. So we're not supposed to do it. That, that, that's not going to go well for us. Instead, in spite, instead of that, we're going to be supposed to be looking at the things that are unseen, the things that we can't yet see, those things which are, are forever. Those are the things that are meant to have our focus. Those are the things that should grab our attention and grab our imagination and, and our thoughts in the midst of it. Again, just I like the way the New Living Translation kind of paraphrased it, so I thought I would put it up on the screen. So, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze, which is the idea of looking. Like We're keeping our focus on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. 
the invitation for us is to be those who do that, that 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 would be what we do. And it's such a really good thing. But let's just again be honest, it's not really happening that way for everybody. Like maybe not even you here this morning. Sometimes we have a sense of, of, of obscuring all of that. And so all we see is the bad things. Yeah, I'm dying. Life is hard. Yeah, it's hard. And this is all I see. This is all I see. And I'm just going to tell you, there's not one person in here that's exempt from this. If you live your life looking at only that, if you live your life looking at death and sorrow and sickness and your troubles, you will lose heart, guaranteed. There's not going to anybody here this, this morning like, nope, not me. I can, I can just stare at those things all the time, and it doesn't do anything. It's like, no, you just look at that for a while, and it's like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know how to go on another day. I don't know how to make it. I don't know how to get up tomorrow. I don't know how to face next week. I don't know how to face that next trial because this just feels overwhelming. But see, part of the problem is because that's what you're looking at. That's what you're looking at. And he says, okay, that's there. We're not, we're not denying it. In fact, it's a part of what God's plan is for this moment. Things we talked about in the previous weeks, that this is part of the gospel in this generation. This is part of him expressing the beauty of Christ rightly into our world. But he's inviting us into a place that we would see it. And it says, in spite of our outward man is perishing, we see hey, our inward man. We are, we are new. I'm new in Christ. I, I was new when I got saved. I'm still new today. Like, I, I'm still in that place. It's that, that beauty of what I am in Christ is still there. And my life, yeah, my travels are real, but they're, 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 they're small. They're not that big. And God's doing something in the midst of them. And if I look at that, if I spend time saying, God, I just want, I just want, to, I want to think about heaven. I want to think about what's coming. I want to think about what that looks like. I can do it. I can do life. I can keep doing it. I can do it in a way that I, that I won't throw in the towel, that I, that I won't, uh, you know, kind of, you know, find myself just absolutely just put out in the midst of this because it becomes that which is life-giving. You know, think of that just well-known quote from Corey Tim Boom that speaks about this a little bit in, in a different way where she simply said, hey, if you look at the world, you're going to be distressed. You look at yourself you're going to be depressed. But if you look at God, then you're going to find rest. Hey, if, you, if you're just going to look at our broken world and you're going to, look at, you're going to spend all your time thinking about the, the, the sorrow and the sin that is permeating our world, it is distressing. And if you just are going to look at your life and what you're facing and who you are and what, what, what life is for you now, it's depressing. I mean, it just is. But if you could say, no, no, I'm going to see Christ I'm going to see that he's made me new in Christ and he's working good and heaven's coming. It's, it's a place where rest falls across our souls, where we find ourselves in a place that it meets us and keeps us and holds us and helps us, that it kind of surrounds us into a place that gives us life. All of it's true. And again, there is this space that we're not meant to deny that. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, that's been a big part of this section. He's not telling us to deny that life is hard. He's not telling us that we are to pretend that sickness isn't difficult and pain doesn't hurt. That's a lie. That's, that's a false teaching, that's, and it's not true. We are to be honest, like, you know what? I'm actually dying. <laughs> I really, really am. And it's not always fun. It's not always fun. Sometimes it's just downward hard. Sometimes they, they, the, the things I go through are that, but they just, that's, that's not the end of the story for me. That, that's not the end of, of the place for me. That if I could look at it, it's as if I could see this, but I'd almost fade out the other things and say, you know, the things that really catch my attention is that I'm new in Christ. Hey, he made me new. I, 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 got, I was new when Jesus saved me, and I'm still there. And it's not because of me. I certainly didn't earn it. I didn't deserve to get saved. I haven't, I haven't kept it. He's kept me you know, and I'm, I'm brand new in him, and everything I'm going through, it is light, momentary, and doing something, and when I believe that, and I can look at that that way, it keeps me from giving up. Now, I just want to say one more time, this is needed for all of us. 
I mean, there's just not anybody here this morning that you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Jim. That's interesting. Good theoretical, you know, for me, for somebody else. And it's probably good for all of us. But it wouldn't surprise me if somebody here this morning is exactly where you are. In fact, you got up this morning, and it's honestly, it hurt. You're not feeling well. Your body's not doing what you want it to do. And you found yourself just thinking, I don't know how long I can do this. I don't know. I don't know how long. I don't, I, it feels too hard. It feels too much. And we want to just tell you we love you, and it is hard. And you're not alone. All of us are dying. All of us are dying. Today, today we are perishing. We are wasting away. But if you're in Christ, that's not the real story. And if all you do is look at your pain and your sorrow, no wonder you're having such a difficult time. And he just wants to tell us, you don't have to do that. You don't have to lose heart. You don't have to give up. You don't have to feel that way where you just do and see that. There's a way to overcome, and it's a good and a glorious way. It's not what the world would say. The world would look at it and say, hey, you know, cover it up, you know, um, get drunk, uh, get, you know, take drugs, do something to pretend that life isn't as bad as it is. And yet, that only makes it worse. I mean, you're only, gonna, you know, messing up your, your, your own life worse. But we're invited to be able to say, yeah, it is hard, but I see something bigger than that. I, I'm, I, I'm not fixing my gaze on my trouble, though it's there and I'm not denying it. I'm fixing my gaze on Jesus. I'm fixing my gaze and say, you know, I have heaven coming because Jesus made me new. That's everything. I'm new. I, I'm new in Christ. And today, it has a meaning. I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. I just have to know it's light, momentary, and it's doing something, which is a far more exceeding weight of glory, eternal. If I could know that, if I could see that, then it helps. It gives you that ability to do another day. And sometimes it is that. Sometimes it is life one day at a time. You know, it's been rightly said, you know, life can't actually be lived any other way. Nobody can live two days at the same time. You, you can't live yesterday or tomorrow. You can live today. And yet there's a war in that for today. And so today there is this place of saying, oh, I am dying, but I'm also renewed. And it's doing something. And if I look over here, it, it is life rescuing, it is hopeful, it is helpful. So once more, I just want to say, if that's you this morning, please don't feel bad. Don't feel like we're making fun of you. Don't feel like we're looking at you and, and accusing you of being unspiritual or any of those things. We're just saying we understand. We understand. If you're in that place where you are disheartened and you're having a hard time, we're just inviting you. Hey, look at something else. Look away from that present to the eternal. Look away from the sorrow to our Savior. Find yourself fixed on that, and, 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 and it's true. It is glorious, and it's good, but it does something else. It just helps you to make another day. It's just like, okay, I can do this. You know, I can do this. I can do this because I know what's coming. I can do this because this isn't the end of the story. And if that's you this morning, please hear it. Be invited to it. Be invited into that space where it's not just hearing it, but you would think, it's probably true. I've probably spent too much time looking at the perishing man. I've spent too much time looking at the affliction. And I haven't looked at that inward man. I haven't looked at that eternal weight of glory. I need to fix my eyes on things that I cannot yet see. I need to fix my eyes on things that are going to last forever because it's not my pain. It's not my difficulties. Those are small. They're, gonna, they're not going to last that much longer. I need to think about things that are going to be forever. And if that's you this morning, we're just inviting you to it. And yet I just want to once more just say, it's true for every one of us. And it's not always the same. Life has these moments where, you know, mountain peaks and valleys. And one of the things is just being able to recognize, hey, those are coming. But Lord, help me be one that 
I can look towards eternity, that I can fix my eyes on things that are absolutely real and absolutely true. Kind of just sewing that in there, because if you don't, it's going to be one of those places that will pull you off. Well, that's where we're going to end this morning. We'll come back to it. We pick it up in chapter 5 as he continues it and helps us think about it in a whole different way. But right now, it's enough for us just to end here. And as clear as I can do it, I just want to invite you to see it. I will begin and just say, hey, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, then we're inviting you kind of in, in, the, in the words of Isaiah, hey, look to the Lord. Look to him and be saved. Jesus said if he was lifted up, you know, if he would be lifted up, he would draw all men to himself. There's a space where we're inviting you to look to Christ, to, to look to his death, his resurrection, his power, and be saved. And if that's you this morning, we're just telling you that. If you are saved, I just want to invite you to fix your, your gaze on things that you cannot yet see. That you would find yourself thinking, I need to think more about that. I need, I need, I need to think more about eternity and forever and heaven and, and what's mine there. I spend too much time probably thinking about our world. I spend too much time thinking about what's happening in Washington or what's happening, you know, in the media that, you know what, that's about to go away. Like, they are all going to go away. I should spend more time thinking about that which is never going to go away. So would you do that? Would you take a quiet moment between you and the Lord and wherever that has found you? I'm just going to give you a moment to pray and, and just in the midst of that long that you would fix your gaze there, that you would find yourself finding it and hoping that it would just do that life-giving, rescuing you even this morning. So quietly, would you take a moment, talk to God about that? I'm going to do the same thing, and then we'll come back and close together and worship in just a moment. God, you see us right now and you know us. I pray for those who don't have a relationship with you. You tell us they're dead in their trespasses and sins. You tell us that, that right now there's no life there. There's no hope there. Even any good works they do, they, they are truncated by their sinful nature. And God, we just look at that now and just say, Lord, you would just, just pray that you draw them to you that you draw them to be born again, to have brand new life, to find a new life in Christ. And God, we pray for that right now. Save these that you see that need you. God, then I just want to bring my brothers and sisters in Christ before you. And I love your word. I love how true it is. And part of me is just, is helped by just being able to say, it's true, we are actually dying. I knew it. I felt it. Um, I, I, it's just good to kind of feel that, Lord, your word is, is, is so accurately and rightly just speaking truth, and that's just helpful to us. But Lord, I thank you that you've overcome, that Jesus, you have brought those of us who are in Christ to brand new life, and we are new. We are new today as we were the moment we got saved, and you're upholding us. You're renewing us today. Your mercies are new every morning. Your faithfulness, your grace. Lord, it's fresh, this life that we have in you. And God, you're working in the midst of our sorrows. 
for purpose, for glory, for, for weight, for an eternal weight of glory. God, your invitation, your command to us is to fix our eyes on you. Help us to do it now. Help us to look, to spend more time looking at what we are in Christ and what eternity holds and, and what's before us. God, you, you tell us this way we can keep from losing heart. And so, Lord, I'm just asking for that. But as I close this time of prayer, I just want to pray very specifically for the one that is here and is losing heart because of this very thing. Life's hard. It's not fun. What they're facing is difficult and painful. And, Lord, the more they stare at it, the more they lose heart. God, would you speak in kindness and mercy and grace and just invite them to look past this thing that's not going to last forever, that in the scheme of eternity is really a small thing. It's really working. And they'd see this eternal weight of glory that's before us that makes all of this nothing. Help us to see it, to see what you have done and are doing in Christ. And may we be encouraged. May we be held up today by this perspective of seeing what's really true today. I ask for that for me and for each of us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. May God meet you in that. May he encourage you in that. If you need prayer afterward, we're here. If you don't know Jesus and you want to have a talk about that, we would love to talk to you about having a relationship within him, just with him so you can come up and make your way here after that. But right now, let's close in worship. Why don't you stand as we kind of head towards this time where we wanted to sing and celebrate who he is. But in that, I just want to bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.